This is Hella Black Podcast, Hello. episode eight, brought to you live from the Blavity Blacks, where we put keyboards first, baby, coming live from our ivory tower. While y'all out in the field doing all the real work and dying and putting y'all bodies on the line, I'm online judging you, baby. Hello? And I got that brand new iPhone 10, you mm. feel me, with the wireless keyboard, you feel me, mm. just for the threads, and I'm going to use some language that none of these niggas could understand to show them how All powerful. language is not inclusive, baby. Mm. <laughs> if you do not graduate from a top-tier university, you will not understand what we are talking about, baby. Intellectual mm. masturbation, baby. <laughs> Shout out to the Academy. Hello. We are here. Episode 8. Wow. It's January 4th, 2018. It's the fourth day of the new year. We back in the studio, you know what I'm saying? We back at it, black at it. Man. Downtown all New Year, same old black shit, baby. New Hello Year. black podcast. Same shit. We still black. We ain't no neoliberals. But, you know, tap into our Patreon. <laughs> God. Come on. We are not neoliberals. The Patreon is actually <laughs> so that Blake and I can eventually buy our own studio equipment and get our own studio space. That's the plan. Definitely. You know? And a little bit of labor is thrown into all this work that we do, so, you know. Yeah, we really in the field with this shit, you know. We just playing around, fucking around. You know, that's what I feel like Hello Black Podcast is really all about, you feel me? Like, we have a good time in here. We drop some game, but we joking around, you feel me? Drinking some, you know, healthy shit, too, you know what I'm saying? Um, but it's a new year. Same shit is happening. White supremacy still killing us. 2018, white supremacy was not left in 2017. Nope. It was not left. You can leave a lot of shit in 2017. You can leave a lot of shit in 2016. Shit, you can leave a lot of shit in the 1800s. But white supremacy is not one of them. That baby. shit ain't ever left. Come on, man. What we got for these people today, man? You know, we got some heat. We got some heat. But I think we should get started with some black joy. Yeah, we wanted to talk about black joy first and foremost and just start our episode off with black joy just because there's so much trauma all the time in this world. And even like as organizers and not even org- but people who really just genuinely care about black people and we're helping people, mm-hmm. doing doing the work, you know, feeding people, trying to make political education accessible. Like, this shit be hella fucking tiring, hella draining, you know, when you live in this shit, you know. Being black is just draining. Even if you're not an organizer or activist, you ain't doing shit. You waking up black, shit is draining. Yeah, some some folks, though, you know, real disconnected, you know, up uh, in the you, tower. You, you're right. Um, you know you're what I'm right. saying? And they don't give a fuck about the masses of black people, you know what I'm saying? Right. So they're on some other shit, you know. Speaking of black joy, you know who I want to give a shout out to? Who? My nigga Ant. My nigga Antho Knees, man. Ant really taught me the importance of black joy. And that's one of the reasons why I appreciate um, Ant's Twitter feed. It's because it's a good balance of, like, you know, that real shit, the shit, mm-hmm. the, the struggle and the trauma and the, tres- and the stresses that we face as black folks. But then he also likes to create, um, I guess, like, spaces for people to talk about, like, what makes them happy. Because if you start, like, being black ain't all that motherfucking, you feel me? It's, it's tough and shit, but we do have our, you know, we got some special things. We got some bright moments. And I think it's important that we address those things. And that's mm-hmm. how we should start this episode off. Especially. You know, we're going to start our new year off with some black joy, baby. Episode yeah. eight. And we got to like, I think even as hard as it is, there's always something to be grateful for. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and I'm not using that in a conservative way to be like, oh, be grateful for what you got. But like, I don't know. For me, it helps just to be positive on a few things a day and just 
remind myself, yeah, like I got some blessings. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and gratitude like, is healing, bro. That, you know, like yeah, gratitude. Gratitude can definitely be healing. Exactly. You feel me? So what over? Um, you know, we just got out the holiday season, of yeah. course, like Christmas Eve, Christmas, Kwanzaa, right? Uh, the New Year. What over the last few weeks has um brought you some black joy, Blake? Bro, I feel like my my family's you know annual New Year's and Kwanzaa celebration that mm-hmm. was. So good to be around, you know, all the family in East Oakland, you feel me, just chilling, New Year's celebration, seeing all the young cousins, you know, you was there, having my friends there with me, you yeah, know. That shit was dope, for sure. Um, so that was really cool just to be be around black folks and be, like, in a, in a generational space, too, you feel me? You got little young kid, some of my young cousins, and then, like, you know, my great auntie, you yeah. know, and then friends and family, you know, so that was that was hella beautiful just to be surrounded by, like, family and to hear, like, family stories and you know, hear the stories about being in Georgia, mm-hmm. you know, like finding old historical artifacts from our family and learning something new. Yeah, so, that had me shook for sure. Yeah, that was that definitely brought me a lot of a lot of joy just being with my, my folks and, and loved ones. Yeah. What about you? What brought you joy? Should I would say a family tradition that we have every Christmas Eve, we go over to um my auntie Jocelyn's house. Shout out to the Cougars, man. My auntie, uh my auntie Jocelyn and my uncle Ira, they always open their home up. Every Christmas Eve, and I feel like each year it gets bigger and bigger. I've heard, been heard, hearing about that gumbo. <laughs> bruh, yeah, you know that gumbo so <laughs> fire. Oh, but bruh, I feel like each year it's just been getting bigger and bigger, and it was just hella dope to just you know see my granny in the corner drinking her vodka, posted up chilling, you know Hennessy margaritas being passed around through hella generations. It was just it was so fun, bruh, and for us to all come together because you know I got like little cousins now who are in college. Um, I got family that like moved away for work and shit like that. So for us to all come back to the place where it kind of all started for us, especially over there in Richmond, um, at my Auntie Johnson's and my Uncle Iris having Christmas Eve, that was hella dope for me. And then also on Christmas Day, I ain't do shit, but sit on the couch all day and watch basketball. And you know, like, we two niggas that's, like, constantly moving around, right? right? Like, So for me to really just sit and chill and, like, read and write, watch basketball for 24 hours... That was definitely some joy. It brought me a lot of joy. Bro, I watched like six episodes of Star Wars. Come on, bro. <laughs> that shit was fun, bro. I'm like just chilling. Like I I could watch a couple movies in a row. Yeah. Like I haven't I can't remember the last time I've done that. You feel me? And just Sometimes to be able to the chill simple things bring you like, the most joy, you know? You know, and just being around loved ones, being around family, like and I think that's important, like, as much as this movement is and the much as much like bullshit's going on in society, just to like, you know, take time with your family still. Like, serve the people, but also take time to maintain yourself. Because if you ain't maintaining yourself, like, we got a long fight. Yeah. You feel me? It's a We're fighting against hundreds man. and hundreds of years of systematic oppression, you feel me? Like, from colonialism to slavery, like, to mass incarceration and the slave plantation that we see today. You feel me? So, like, we're up against a big battle. So, I think it's, like, it is a revolutionary individual act to, like... Yeah. Take care of yourself and and to experience joy. Yeah, black joy is hella important and hella necessary just because you don't the black experience does not have to be solely based on trauma and stress, bro. Like you deserve joy too. You enjoy you deserve those moments of gratitude and the moments of happiness. So if you can make them for yourself, which you can, go ahead and do that. And, and it's important help, to talk about in. it too, because like we don't see it on the mainstream media. You don't see like celebrations of blackness ever. It's always like cycles of black death because that's what gets the views. But I think it's important, you feel me, like, just to take time. So if you listen to this episode, like, I hope you take some time today just to think about joy. You feel me? Think about joy in your life, you know, because um, it's important. It's important to sustain yourself in all this bullshit that we uh, face on a daily daily life, you feel Hell me? Hell yeah, Hella Black Podcast, sending you Hella Black love, baby. Hello. So what else? We're we going to talk about respectability politics today. Oh, that's, shit. that's what I heard, you know, fuck your respectability, you know, the blavity blacks, you know what I'm saying, like... Fuck all that, bro. Like, 
So we want to talk about that because, you know, that's one of the things that I feel like hinders, has hindered movements in the past and is still like hindering movements today. And unfortunately, a lot of respectability politics leads people to being very disconnected to black working class, black poor folks. Yes. The people that we're supposed to be serving and trying to liberate, right? Like niggas still on some talented 10th ass, head ass shit. Oh, God. Like, oh, my God, if we all just go get degrees and we all stay in the ivory tower and we write journal articles about blackness. Basically, assimilation equals liberation. And that ain't the case. Right. No, 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 no. So we have to understand that respectability politics won't being nice to massa ain't finna do shit for you first and foremost at all not even a little bit so how you feeling about it how i feel about respectability politics is i've done a lot of those things that people say when from a respectability politics standpoint of like i went to college college ain't stopping me from experiencing racism i still experience racism on every day i graduated college i have a degree and that shit ain't I'm still experiencing racism day in and day out. Uh, I have a job. I'm still experiencing racism day in and day out. So I feel like the board, like it doesn't matter how much you assimilate, bro, in a system that's designed to keep black folks marginalized and oppressed and mm-hmm. designed to cause the black body harm. I don't want to say black body. I'm sorry. That's designed to cause <laughs> black people harm. <laughs> that's designed to cause black people harm. It doesn't matter what you do, bro. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like you said, if you respect Massa, it doesn't matter you pull your pants up like Bill Cosby said. It doesn't matter if you stop buying J's and you start wearing Clarks and, and suits. It does not matter, bro. You can get your you can get your head buzzed by a pig in a suit. Come on, bro. History tells us that. But I Come think on. a lot of us are sold this dream. You know, and a lot of it is a result of this colonial education that people receive from day one. You feel me? Mind our minds are like literally indoctrinated. And even as I'm speaking, man, I'm trying to like re like relearn and learn every day. You feel mm-hmm. me? And like deconstruct and relearn every day. You feel me? Yeah. But like literally, people are taught this. You feel me? They're taught to oh, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You know? And then it's like oh, we have the right to vote now, right? Yeah. So you gotta go vote. Oh, you can. You know, um, education is desegregated. All right. So let's go back to school, or let's go to school, let's go to college, get your degree as a means of liberation. And I think a lot of people think that. I mean, even myself, I was like, man, I'm finna go to college. Like, I'm going to UC Berkeley. Nigga, I made it. First two weeks, though, like, that's I before nigger, you saw the, you Yeah, that's me, before he saw it. on my dorm, you feel me? So I was like, I was sold that dope of, of respectability politics. I was sold that dope of, like, this hope. I mean, I think a lot of us me? are because we're willing to do... Liberation means so much to black people. Like, it means to everybody, right? But for black folks, it's always been, like, this farce. Black liberation has always been this fucking farce in America, right? So it's like, if people are telling us we can do these things to accomplish it, why wouldn't you at least give it a shot? Mm-hmm. But now it's like, bro, we've been doing this for so long, we need to wake up and smell the, smell the coffee, bro. Like, I it's mean, bad. It don't matter how many right. degrees we get. It don't matter how many jobs we get. It does not matter, bro. We can't pick ourselves those bar Tims, you feel me? Come on, bro. You can't do it. You can't pick yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh you can't God, pick yourself up bro. from your Tims. Quote me on that shit. At Blake, don't crack. Hello? Come on, man. <laughs> Now you know what I want to tap into, bro. Tell me, bro. What's happening? I want to tap into organizers and activists that don't center the poor people in their movements, bro. That's something that really bothers me, right? But, I mean, we see it, and unfortunately we've seen it a lot in even past movements too, right? But even today it's like, you know, our background was black student organizing. Mm-hmm. You know, initially, like, that was where we started our organizing mostly was black student organizing. Like, that's hella elitist in general. Just, yeah. like, if you're just tied to black students, like, black student, people, like, look who goes to college. 
Who's at college and who yeah, isn't? Yeah, that's a very specific demographic of people to be working with. Especially within the UC system? Come on. That shit's hella hard to get into. Yeah. You feel me? So you're already coming from, like, with an educational privilege, you know? Yeah. Most folks have, like, AP classes already taken before yeah. college. Like, shit, I wouldn't have been in UC Berkeley if I couldn't play sports. Yeah. Like, but then seeing all these folks, you know, who have this, like, educational privilege and this educational background and then centering, like, that, that experience. Like, oh... This university is fucked up. Like, that's all I'm going to care about and not care about, like, niggas 10 minutes down the street. Yeah. You feel me? Like, people who aren't in college, you know? So I think black student organizing, like, it needs to move forward and be, like, you have to actually center the community. And I think it's an issue because so many black students are actually, like, not in the city that they're from or the area that they're from. So you have a lot of people going into different neighborhoods. You don't feel a connection to these neighborhoods because... You're not from here. You've never seen these neighborhoods. You don't have family in these neighborhoods. So I don't know. How you feeling? The reason why I believe it's important, this is like not so much for the like the um the black, I guess like the black student organizing portion, but the reason why I think it's super important for us to center poor people in the movement and to center the people that we're supposed to be serving is because if you're not if you're not tapping into these communities, right, there's gonna be a certain level of disconnect, right? Like you can't claim to be a um an ally and an accomplice, and yet the the these certain um, like targeted demographics that you're supposed to be serving, like you're never really in those spaces, right? Mm-hmm. Like how could that's like if we were talking about feeding houseless folks, but we weren't ever around them, like we weren't actually out there feeding them, right? Like oh we we right. calling ourselves people breakfast Oakland, but we only serving our friends and family that's coming to our crib, like right. bro, it's like, who it's, have houses. it's just not realistic, <laughs> you feel me? Right. So it's like how can you be talking about serving somebody and you never spending your time around them? Mm-hmm. And that's what I see so much, especially from like people that mostly were like the activists and stuff and the organizers that I see on Twitter. You know, I don't like I don't like when people refer to us as activists and organizers because I just feel like that term has been damn near. Used as a, yeah, as a form so of like social commodified. currency for me. Yeah, I feel like it's used as the tool of, of of social currency. But bro, like not centering poor people in your movement can have so so many downsides, bro. And this shit is hella important when you do it and you do it the right way. When you center these folks, bro, you build relationships. And I think building relationships at the core of any of any movement. Right? Anything you do, anything you do, like, and that's kind of been lost. Yeah, right. It's become like oh. Like, capitalism has made us so, like, transaction about our, our relationships. Like, oh, we want to, what can I get from this relationship exactly. that's going to benefit me? Not just going in self as, like, oh, how can we help each other? You feel me? Mm-hmm. Or how can we, like, move together? But people be on this, like, hyper-individualistic shit. And I think it's really the way, like, capitalism has taught us, has taught many people to be. is like, oh, think about yourself. Pick yourself up by your Tims, you feel me? And move forward. But don't center the people. Don't center poor people. Like, how are we supposed to get free? If you're only centering people who have, like, from the upper class or only centering students, like, I don't know. I think that's why I think the breakfast program is so important is because we're centering the people who are most impacted by this white supremacist capitalist state. And you ain't got to be poor to be serving poor folks. I think you made a really good point about um, Castro yesterday, like somebody who didn't grow up poor. But centered them in his in his movement. Exactly, he centered him in his in his politics. You know, centered like working class poor folks in his revolution. You feel me? There ain't no revolution without poor folk, poor black folks. And this is who the revolution is for. And that's who was for. That's who, who that's we're trying always to free. For. But I think a lot of people get too comfortable with the crumbs from capitalism. Like they get a steady job, you know, they get a car, you know, they get a house or something like that, and then they forget. You know, they forget the daily struggles that, like, a lot of black people are experiencing. You feel me? Especially here in Oakland. You know, with rapid gentrification, hell of black folks are out on the streets right now. Yeah. You feel me? Every time we're out there, it's mostly black elders and some, like, black young folks. You know? Yeah. So, like, I really feel like 
it ain't revolutionary if it's not accessible to black poor people. And some people, not not all people that are in the movement and doing the work do this on purpose, right? Like there are some folks who like consciously make the decision to not center poor folks in their movement. And then right. there's some people who really just don't know any better, right? But the reason one another reason why I think it's super important is because um, you allow these people that that you claim to be serving or that you that you have the desire to serve, you allow the t- you allow for them to tell you what they need, as opposed to you making assumptions and projecting your your own like, I guess your own like savior complex tactics onto them, right? Like you get a chance for them to tell you exactly what they need, bro. As but, opposed to us going, as opposed to you going in there and just like, oh, this is what y'all need. This is how we gonna fix it. That's some savior complex. I shit. mean, that's what a lot of like Ivory Tower blacks are be doing. Like they're like trained to uh, like study those people, yeah. like and remove themselves and not have objectivity and just make observations about black people and just write about black people, but not even inter- interact with black people. Like honestly, that makes you a terrible researcher because you're researching people you're not even connected to. You're not even, even in know. the field. You feel me? You're not even in the field doing your case study. You're having some students go do it for you. <laughs> And you go on and make some threads about it on Twitter, but you don't even talk to black people when they walk past you. Oh, my damn. But, I mean, that's also hella gendered as well, you feel me? But, um, you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's like on some, like, real shit. Like, you ain't you talking about this black shit, but when, when's the last time you fucking organized? Like, you feel me? And you writing about, um, um, like, all these people writing books about the fucking movement. When's the last time you like with these actually... secondhand ass experiences? Like, you interviewing folks about their experiences instead of just going to step in. And living it yourself and being on the front line with him. You feel like, like, bro, I could have written a book by now, but niggas is actually organizing. I'm writing, like, the shit you writing about is the shit that I'm fucking doing. And I don't, and like, we're not trying to remove, we're not trying to remove, like, there's, I think Ant always makes this point, a really good point, like, bro, there's a role for everybody in the movement, right? You feel me? But, like, if you're going to be sitting behind that keyboard, you need to have a certain level of respect for the people that's out there in the field that's doing it, bro. 100%. And don't, and you definitely don't need to be having, being super critical of folks. Like I see people who like are journalists or writers, whatever you want to call them, authors, Academics, and they just whatever. sit behind that. They just sit behind their pen, their keyboard. They just sit behind the text and criticize folks who are actually out there in the field, bro. They sit up in the library on the ivory tower, bro. That's or that elitism tech, shit. Or in their black tech office or some shit. You feel me? Writing all these threads about shit, and I'm like, bro, when's the last time you tried to help? And there's a role for everybody. You feel me? Like our breakfast program wouldn't be shit if folks was not donating. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. not everybody could be. You know, in the streets because certain people might have physical disabilities yeah. or mental disabilities. You feel me? Like where it, you know, but like you can, there's ways. There's all, like everybody has a role. I'm terrible at art. Yeah. I can't make a protest sign for shit. Yeah. But you feel me? When we was protesting like for demands, you know, uh, at UC Berkeley to like fight for a black resource center, a black community center, shout out to the Fannie Lou Hammer Black Resource Center, you know what I'm saying? Um, like we were, we had we made art, but I couldn't make that shit. So like, there was someone who just, knew how yeah. to make it, but I knew how to do media. I there's, knew how to do there's, Twitter. There's a role for everybody, right. but what you need to do, especially if you ain't in the field in any way, shape, or form, you shut ain't up. contributing to the. You need to shut like. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. Maybe they do need to shut up, but you need to have a certain level of respect for people that's out there in the field, bro. Mm-hmm. Like you just need to. You need to. Don't don't you need don't be an elitist. It's just like this hypercritical like analysis. It's like niggas just like to like Kwame Teresa said, like intellectual masturbation. Like these niggas just love to hear themselves talk and they get off to that shit. It's like, nah. You Come know, on. I, I think like, this is people's a, dying. Speaking of people who just like to hear themselves talk, I wanna give I wanna make a public service announcement to PSA, hello, coming straight right academics now. Academics on Twitter and writing books, whatever. Bro, y'all need to start using more inclusive and accessible language, fam. I'm going to be real. Like, unless, like, I don't, I'm going to assume you're writing this shit for white people 
Like it, it, that's what I'm going to assume from from now on. Yeah, if I keep seeing these big ass words, and I like I said, bro, I studied journalism. I took a, mm-hmm. I did pretty well in English. Like I, I read a lot of books, so I know a lot. I know, I know a lot of shit. I you feel like, like I, I do. I know some fucking words. I know That's some what shit. Right now. I, know I know some, some shit. Words. <laughs> but I've been seeing some threads lately, and I'm like, bro, I can't understand any of this. But it's all supposed to be in efforts to like defend black people and to liberate black people. Like, bro, if the average person can't read that shit, bro, no. If my niggas on the street can't read, if I if I take this shit to one of my niggas, and he can't read this shit, you're not doing a really good job, bro. And the thing is, like, you would never talk to some nigga, like, you wouldn't talk to somebody, like, like that, ever. In a real conversation. In a real conversation, you're going to say... Maybe some white folks. Bi- Maybe you would. I mean... Depending on who you're hanging around. I so, mean, if you so only hang around the academy, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But, like, especially even the way some people come at people, it's like, you would never talk to somebody like that. Come on. I seen you, you, seen you had an interaction with somebody the other day, and I'm like... I'm like, oh, I know they're saying some good shit, but I can't understand that shit. <laughs> I couldn't understand it at all. I'm like, bro, like, and the, uh, imagine how many times like this shit has gone over folks' heads, right? Like, you gotta set, you gotta meet people where they are, bro. That's what the mark of a good leader is. You gotta meet people where they are, and I feel like a lot of the, these uh, these topics that people speak on and the stuff that they're saying is hella valuable. But like, what's how valuable is it if we can't understand it? I mean, your theory is great, but can you explain it to your grandma? Can you explain it to your little cousin? You feel me? Can you explain it to your twelve-year-old cousin who has no college experience? And like, it's wild that shit how has to be as simple as possible. But it's period. it's interesting how people will go to college and then kind of adopt this neo-colonial like articulation of words. You feel me? Like they use all these big words that they just learned a week ago, and then they use they use that to shame other people. But I yeah, because I I get it right. Like when you first get into that that space, which mo- you know. Most of us do go to like PWIs, or even when you go to an HBCU, when you out there with, you know, um, middle class affluent black folks, right? Like you, like the way you speak can be used as a defense mechanism, and it can also show your worth, right? So like I can, I see why people do it. I probably made that. I know I have. I'm not gonna say I probably. I know I made that mistake before, especially with me being a writer, bro. Like being in certain rooms, I'm like I'm gonna show them what I know. I'm gonna show how elegantly I can speak, right? But it's like nah, bro. Like that was used as a Damn near as a form of assimilation, right? Like, let me show mm-hmm. y'all my worth. This is before I knew any better. It's like, nah, that that's not that's not acceptable now. Like, right. No, bro. We need to be saying things that 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 kids can understand, that folks with no college education can understand. The language needs to be more accessible, more inclusive, especially if we're talking about liberation. Come on, how are you gonna talk about revolution and you're gonna talk about some big ass words that nobody understands? So the niggas that didn't go to college don't deserve like to be the free. Ontological blackness and oppression of. <laughs> Like, I'm like, bro, on. like a lot of niggas don't even be knowing this shit. And I, I made that mistake too when I first was getting on Twitter. I'm like, oh, let me show niggas like and I realized I was tweeting for bougie black folks and white people. Like, <laughs> come on, bro. That's not who who I'm even in this work for. So make your I language. mean that, I think it just shows about, about like who people are associating with and like the respectability and the elitism. I can tell by way a motherfucker tweet that they ain't ringing around, they, they ain't hanging around too many niggas. Right. Cause I I see some folks on there who are who are in the academy? There's a difference between niggas still, and black people. <laughs> <laughs> I see some folks that's in the academy, but you can still tell that like they still be around. They for me the places they grew up with, they still mm-hmm. be around. They, even if you didn't grow up in the hood or whatever, you can tell that they're making the conscious effort to be around some poor, some black folks from that's not from the same background as them. Some poor black folks, you feel me? You can you can see that. And then I can see some people that's in the academy, and that's all they hang around because they tweet like it twenty four seven. They talk like it twenty four seven. Like bro, if I seen. If I see you in the street, you're going to be talking to me like this? Like, if we just out having a drink, we just kicking it? This is how you're going to be talking to me? Exactly. And we don't want people, like, 
to think that we're like shame we're not shaming people right now you know what i'm saying it's like what we're doing is trying to show the light you feel me yeah. and show like how people use like oppressive behaviors in these like neo-colonial or colonial institutions you know and like we can't just because oh i went i go to uc berkeley or i graduated from uc berkeley that doesn't mean shit and it doesn't make you better than anyone else you know you got to have a certain humility you feel me like, no matter what degree it is, you feel me? I think Fannie Lou Hamer said, he said, whether you have a PhD or no D, like, we're all in it together. Straight up. You feel me? Like, and that's how it has to be. I don't, like, if you're a professor, like, be in the streets with folks. You feel me? Like, if you're teaching at the academy, be in the streets with people. Help support people who are in the streets. If you can't be in the streets, there's a way to support folks who are doing that grassroots organizing. And a lot of stuff has just become so elitist and just so anti to what these black studies departments, you know, or even, like, because it was a revolutionary fight to even get black people on campus. You mm-hmm. feel me? Like, niggas was, with guns strapped, militant-ass niggas was on campus demanding black studies and African-American studies departments. You feel me? So it was like militant-ass niggas who actually got you a fucking job. Niggas and was, then you're going to go critique militant-ass niggas today who are actually doing the work. Niggas who wasn't even enrolled in the school was up there protesting and shit. Like, right. You feel me? Niggas who didn't even go there, bro. People we won't even know their names <laughs> fought for shit. Fought for your, you know, fought for you to have tenure. And then you're going to go around and just, you know, not fuck with those people type of people. So for the people whose feelings we might have hurt with this, we're not telling you to not, you know, to you should value education. It's nothing wrong with learning a lot of words. But just make sure when you're trying to teach people something that you're meeting them halfway, bro. Well, also, yeah, we got to understand these schools are never for us. Like UC Berkeley, bro. UC Berkeley was founded by Joseph Lacant, a slave owner from South Carolina who was a defender of the Confederacy, who was a part of the Confederate Army armed the Confederate Army, and then moved to Berkeley yeah, and was the first UC president. Like, <laughs> you feel me? These institutions weren't made for us, so we always have to be very critical of these institutions that we're going to. You feel me? And it's not like, oh, these are some like places where we're going to get liberated at. Nah, you got to take what you learn in the academy and take the resources, you feel me? Because when you're in the academy and you're at school, you're at a college, especially a, a UC school or a Cal State school, there's a lot of resources on that campus that you can take out to the community and bring back to the community. Like, we should be thinking of it as, like, a method of extraction. Like, we take what we learn, and we take the resources, and we bring it back to the hood. Straight up. Just like that. So I feel like to close out this episode, it's just important for us to recognize that, like, all power resides within, within the people. You feel me? Shout out to the Panthers. But, Most like, definitely. literally, power comes from the people. Power comes bottom up. You feel me? Power comes working and centering the most oppressed people by this white supremacist um, patriarchal state that we live in, settler colonial state that we live in. You feel me? We got to send the most vulnerable people to the oppression. You feel me? And we can't just be organizing strictly with within the university. We got to always always got to be with the community. You feel me? You got to remember why you, who you do this for and why you started doing it, bro. Mm-hmm. And that's to li- the why is to liberate black folks. And who? Poor black folks, bro. All black folks. You feel me? But the people who get destroyed on the stick, nine times out of ten, gonna be them poor black folks, man. You gotta build relationships with people too. Like I think that's one thing that was so powerful about the Panthers is like they was partners. You feel me? They was chilling. They was at family parties together. They was partying together. You feel me? And then they were organizing. So that like, you feel me? Like I think that's so important. Relationships that, like, are relationship building. Bro. You feel me? And so many people come to organizing spaces just to organize, but don't know shit about the person they're organizing with. Like how are you finna go to war with somebody? But you don't even know anything about their life. You I mean, keep game, right? Like, we were both athletes, right? So you could think about, like, in the summer fall camp when it's just the football team rocking together. You feel me? And think about all the shit y'all go to, all the shit y'all go through. And then at some point, you know, 
when y'all not in practice, it's only y'all only really got each other. So y'all learning more about each other. And through that process, through that time being spent together, y'all start developing like what it means bonds, to be on, bro. What it means to be on the team. Yeah, you just start you developing know? these bonds, bro. And I know me as a person, like once I start to have an emotional connect emotional connection to something, bro, and I can start to see myself in that person, start to see them inside of me, that's gonna make me go ten times harder. Like this exactly. is my family. I gotta I gotta protect them. I gotta do it the best that I can because I'm now I'm a now representation of them. And know? when the fun go down, like you're going to fuck with them because you have a relationship with them. You know what I'm saying? You ain't going to just be on some weird shit. You know, you're going to support them. You know what I'm saying? So that is episode eight of Hella Black, the podcast. Shout out to all the black people out there, man. Sending y'all hella love. All the black people. Every single all one. All the black people. Every single one, you feel me? Thank you for tapping in. This is episode eight. Hella Black, the podcast. Yeet. Coming straight live. Downtown Oakland. You feel me? Shout out Maya and Gabby. Hello, Youth Radio. Thank you.